loved ones, welcome to Vox Pop Talks, the podcast that covers marketing tips, straight talks with a variety of business owners and entrepreneurs, tips for taking mental breaks, and of course, the occasional trip inside my crazy head of ideas. I always have tons of crazy business ideas, marketing campaigns, etc., and just things about life that I want to share. And I have lots of wonderful people who also want to share with you as well. I'm your host, Irina Harrell, and I'm really excited to get started with today's talk. So let's dive right in. Happy Thursday, everyone. I am so very excited to be back with you all again. So today I want to dive right in and I actually want to talk about diversifying your product or services portfolio. Um, If you've never heard of any of those terms before, your product portfolio would be the type of products you have, the different categories you have of products. Um, Similarly, for your service portfolio, it would be all the different types of services you offer. So, uh, for example, if you sell, if you have a um, clothing online clothing store, your product portfolio would be whether or not you have shoes, women's clothes, kids clothes, what type of clothes you have. And it just breaks those down into categories. So today I want to talk about how to specifically expand upon that. Um, So right now, a lot of people have to pivot their businesses. There's people who normally only did business in person who now have to move to doing business online and virtually. Um, There's people who only, um, who you know, they can still kind of do business in person, but now they can only do delivery. And there's just a lot of people needing to, out of necessity, not necessarily desire, pivot and expand their product portfolio. What's really interesting about this time though, is that that's actually a really good practice to have, is to have a diverse product portfolio. A lot of people for a long time are talking about niching down or being very specific about what you offer and only offering one thing. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that. I like to have options. I don't believe in putting all my eggs in one basket. Um, I see businesses a lot, uh, very similar to the way I see stocks. I wouldn't put all my money into one specific stock. To me, that's a gamble. Whereas you're a little more balanced out when you um, put your money into various stocks, various different industries, and you diversify that quote unquote portfolio, your stock portfolio, right? So similarly, I believe in diversifying your product and or services portfolios. And I honestly am a big um, advocate of having both products and services. Even if you're a e-commerce business or a retail business, there's no reason you can't have um, services as well. If you're a service-based business, there's no reason why you can't have some type of product. It does not have to necessarily be a physical product. It can be a digital product, Um, I would consider SaaS companies, for example, I consider those to be digital products. You're paying for access to something, even if it's not a physical something, you're paying to access it. And you are in turn, that access is is kind of your virtual or digital product. So when you're thinking about how can I, you know, become more um, diverse in, in what I offer, how can I be more creative? How can I involve technology? I want you to think backwards into the problems that your customers face. Um, So you don't want to just start pulling stuff out of the thin air like, oh, this is an idea and this is an idea. We can do this. And you create all these initiatives and products for things that people really don't need. 
Um, it really sucks, right? And honestly, one of the things people are doing, I know in a recent podcast, I talked about how people are, um, how we are pivoting towards uh, digital tools, but the way we're doing it is we're actually creating kind of um, web-based apps or, or tools that can be used that aren't just PDFs or eBooks, right? I think that's a very saturated um, area at this point for lead generation. I think a lot of people are creating P- PDFs or eBooks to kind of get people into their, to get people's emails. But what they're not realizing is, and I'm guilty of this, a lot of times I'll, you know, sign up for an ebook. I think the ebook is amazing and it could be super high quality. The problem is after I submit my email and it's sent to me, I rarely open it back up. I usually have to go on to the next thing and I'm now sitting on this ebook that I have not actually used um, and it takes the back burner. And now this company Yes, they provided, they added value technically. The idea was was um, really good and I was interested, but I haven't actually used what they gave me. So the value kind of stopped at after I thought it was a good idea and sent my email. They have my email um, and I have an ebook, but I'm not using it. So in a perfect world, you would create something or provide something to someone that not only does it add value, um, in a theoretic sense, but in practicality, it does in fact, you know, help that person out. That person actually uses it. One of the, I think one of the more genius things that people did now it's overused was magnets for, for refrigerators. I think if you're a pizza place, um, one of the best things you can possibly do is have a magnet on a refrigerator. Why? Because when you get home from work and you're tired or that parent or whatever is looking at what am I, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I have to feed these kids, I don't have the energy, or they open the fridge and they don't see any food in there, you close that fridge back and right there is a number to a pizza place where you can order food and you can solve all those problems in one. That's perfect timing, that's perfect placement, and it just makes sense, right? And it's actually useful. Um, and on top of that, it's probably holding up your kid's you know, art or papers or something important or some notes or something on the refrigerator in a very com- convenient place. So in that example, somebody has created something or provided something that adds value, that's timely, and that is pretty much so effective, right? It, it's related to what it's doing. Um, oh, we've kind of missed the mark recently, I think, honestly. As marketers, a lot of us have um, advocated for the tried and true methods, the ebooks of the world, etc. And we've kind of become stagnant in why the idea of what it's what's happening is great. Um, the reality is, is that it's not being put into practice. So all of this to say, when you're thinking about how to diversify or add new products or add new services to your business to, you know, increase income or or, you know, maybe stabilize because you're losing income on some things, you need to think truly and deeply about what problem you want to solve for your customers, what problems they face, and the usability of those problems, of the of that solution. Um, because the more you focus on solving that problem and the better you do it, the more people are going to come back to you, the more that is going to be effective. And honestly, the, the more you're going to make off of that opportunity. So I highly recommend don't just start brainstorming and doing things. You should definitely brainstorm. But I would recommend looking at 
reviews or, or things that people complain about that's in your industry. Go to places like Quora, go to your competitors' websites and look at what at the reviews and complaints that people have. Um, go to things like Reddit and look at the questions people have. Go to things like Google Trends and see what people are searching about around your product or around your service. I A few weeks ago, I did a podcast talking about how we wrote an article about marketing expenses and what is actually tax deductible right? We are not tax professionals. We are a marketing agency, but people were having a hard time figuring out what was it was and wasn't tax deductible. So we told them all the different types of marketing expenses, including the fact that our services are in fact tax deductible. And that added tons of value to people because even though we're not accountants or tax professionals, they could use that information to not only you know, help them through tax season, but can educate what type of decisions they make for their business moving forward, right? So you want to know what problems your customers are facing, even if they seem to be outside of your scope, because you may be able to solve them, solve or bring a solution to it with either a product, a service, or content. Again, this is geared towards, you know, adding services and products to your portfolio or to your business. But I really think that you need to consider this approach for all the different aspects. Honestly, the whole point, the whole reason somebody buys from you is because you are solving a problem for them. Now, the problem could be superficial or it could be very real and physical. A lot of times, the reason why people buy certain types of brands or clothes is because they have a problem with, um, you know, the idea of their what they wear and how they see themselves and they don't feel like that need or however they want to see themselves, the image is being met with what they currently have. It doesn't necessarily have to be insecurity. It could be the image I have in my head is one thing, but what I have in my closet is another thing. So in order to make those things match, I need to find a company or a brand who can, who can help bridge that gap right? That's what people do. And it's that, it's like that for every single product we ever buy. Um, and then there's like impulse buys that happen, but realistically, I, you are always solving a problem. And that's, if you're creating a service or a product, it's always solving a problem. So if you are looking to diversify your portfolio, start with those things I mentioned, like the cores, the reddits, go look at things like alignable LinkedIn comments, Instagram comments, Facebook comments, Google Trends comments, go to, on your competitors' websites, go on Amazon and look at the reviews on what people are saying and see what they're complaining about and see how you can fix it. A perfect example, for example, um, is that a lot of times when you buy a bicycle, it comes in a box. People don't know that, that the bicycle comes in a box. And honestly, a bicycle is a miniature vehicle. If you don't have experience putting together a bicycle, it may be very confusing, complex, and frustrating, to be quite honest. And there may be an opportunity that if you sell bicycles to also sell the service of putting it together in that person's home or to de delivering the bicycle fully put together for them. Um, similarly, you have, you know, people who want, who have TVs, you know, maybe you want to work with somebody like TaskRabbit or hire your own version of people who literally go in and install TVs into people's homes and mount them up where they want them to go. Um, these are really important things that are, are hard to, to come by. Maybe you uh, are a designer or a stylist and you have an issue all the time where, you know, you don't know what's in your client's closet and you have to go pull or pull something for a shoot. So you, you know, establish some type of app or something 
um, to help solve that problem by keeping track of whatever is in somebody's closet. These are all the different types of things you can do. And I'm literally just spewing out random ideas um, to help you navigate this space, right? Um, maybe, you know, you're a nail tech and a, a lot of times you people have issues taking care of their nails. So you put together a nail kit between the times that they come to you where they can take care of your nails and it gives you really easy ways to, to take care of them even when they're not in your shop. These are just ways to think outside the box and diversify your portfolio um, and solve problems that people face, right? You you We have this problem all the time that we kind of sell somebody something and then we just leave them to the wind. Um, my agency for a long time was guilty of that. And sometimes we do fall victim to the same issues and we're trying to actively solve them. And assumptions made when you're talking to marketing professionals, you know, that you know what you want or you know exactly, or you people think they know what they want and they don't, they've heard something, they heard, you know, this social media thing is, is pretty awesome. And I, I think I should get it for my business finally. And we want to be on, we, we want to be on Twitter and LinkedIn. And then I ask what your product is and you tell me you're selling, you know, clothes to millennials. And I'm looking at you like, well, I'm probably would pivot towards, you can do those as well, but I would definitely make sure you have the Instagrams and the Pinterest and now the TikToks of the world included in that gamut. So we sometimes make assumptions about what people know, what people can do and what people use. And we miss opportunities to further help them um, not only buy from us, but improve their personal experience. And ultimately that improves their customer retention and they come back. So again, all of this started with me talking about how to diversify your portfolio of products and or services. Um, and the real thing I wanna center around is you do this by focusing on your customer, by solving problems for your customer and then reverse engineering that. My customer's facing this problem, how can I possibly solve that and meet that within my resources? Um, and how can I do it effectively and consistently? So that is what I would say is think outside the box, look at problems, look at your competitors. Don't be lazy about how you consider your customers and don't make too many, too many assumptions. You know what they say when you make assumptions and make it blank out of you and me, right? So you really need to, I've, I've come across so many people who tell me who their customer is. My customer is this person. And then the data says that your customer is completely someone else. I've had people tell me that their customer was a middle-aged, um, retired consultant. And then the data told me that their customer was mid-20s um, professional working with side hobbies. And it was kind of like, uh... There's a, there's a disconnect here. Who you think you want to target and who you personally prefer to target based on either your heuristics or your biases may be very different from who you're actually is, is relating to your brand. And you just have to, you know, be comfortable with that. And you have to recognize that you need to pay attention to who actually is engaging with you rather than who you want to engage with you. Um, it's so funny to me because people don't realize that a brand isn't a hundred percent made by the company. You know, I would say the brand, the company makes probably a good 75, 80% of the brand and a good 20 to 25% of that brand is made by society in their perspectives and perception of the brand. And that's what makes, creates the form and completion. You know, you have this one idea of what you want it to be. And then by the time it enters the world and people process it and start talking about it, 
um, and engage with it, it becomes something maybe very similar to what you wanted it to be, but it's usually not always perfectly how you thought it would be. And you just have to embrace that. That's how the world takes it on. Because honestly, marketing is a communication and communication isn't one way. Communication is you saying something to somebody and somebody responding. So remembering that not only in how you do your content, not only in how you do your marketing, but how you choose your products and services is what's going on. What are they, what are my customers showing me that they need? What can I give to them in response? And how can we create that communication loop? And how can we do so in a way that makes our businesses a little less volatile, a little safer, um, and a little more consistent? And the last thing I would say is that it's always better to have um, more than one way of making money, more than one stream of income. Please do not pigeon your whole, pigeonhole yourself into one thing and try to force something to work. Um, there are multiple ways to do things. There are multiple ways to earn income. Keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open to opportunity. Um, and you can do so while helping others. You know, I, I we have a lot of stuff going on that oftentimes we don't even talk about. Um, and we help in so many different ways that are, you know, they're not necessarily all just marketing. We help and we give lots of technology advice to our customers. We talk through buying decisions and profit margins and projections like I talked about yesterday um, or two days ago. And all of this is not, you know, strictly into the marketing world. We venture into sales and, and other things very often. Um, now we're, we're, you know, creating literally web-based apps for ourselves and some of our clients so that they can, you know, have more innovative ways to do lead generation. These are all things that in the beginning, they were not there, but we saw a need. We saw that we can try it on ourselves first, that we can see and, and work out some kinks, that we can do a beta test with some of our current and trustworthy clients, and then we can expand that into a service offering. And that is a very natural way of doing business. Some of the biggest brands in the world have service-based offerings. Um, Amazon has service-based offerings. Walmart has service-based offerings. And these are some of the biggest retailers in the world and you would never have known it, but they keep their eyes open. They keep their ears to the ground and they pay attention to the needs of their customers and because of that, because of their emphasis on customer experience, experience and solving customer problems, they are winning. And as a small business owner, you of all people cannot afford to ignore the needs and wants and desires of your customers. And you also can't afford to not meet those needs, desires, and wants. What makes a lot of small businesses um, stand out in local communities is the service they provide to the people. Um Otherwise, those people will just go to all the chains because it's easier. It's a consistent experience. You know exactly what you can do. You usually can order ahead of time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But usually it's that little bit of personality, that little um, thing that makes you feel special in the local community that makes small businesses stand out. And if you're going to survive, you have to continue to tap into that, continue to diversify and continue to win by, you know, being quick to change, quick to add on, quick to pivot. Um, that's one thing that you will have on your side is speed. And that's one thing that we have on our spot side being a boutique, a boutique agency is that we can pivot quickly. Um, 
And that is what I would say is be very open to diversifying your portfolios of products and services. Be very open to solving problems that come across with your customers and just be flexible and have fun doing it. Um, It's not always going to be perfect, but one of my favorite quotes is, if you have waited for it to be perfect before launching, you waited too long. Um, So move quickly, fail fast, but fail forward. And I truly hope that you take this on and you take these tips on and that you write us at info at voxpopbranding.com all about some of the things you've done to improve or some of the things you've tried based on hearing some of these podcasts and you know what's working for you and hopefully it inspires other people. That is today's podcast. I wish you nothing but the best and I'm cheering you all on. Have a wonderful rest of your day.